Are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world? And now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world. If that's you, then listen up. 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. To pick up your copy, go to brettridgeway.com forward slash freebie. Welcome to the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway, where you'll learn the keys to building a profitable speaking business from speaking industry pros. Each week, we interview a great guest who will share his or her speaking journey, identify what their keys to success have been, and highlight some critical mistakes they've made along the way that you'll want to avoid. Be sure to visit our website at spotlightonspeaking.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet this week's guest. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway. I am your host, and I'm excited to have as my guest today, Richard Rosser. Richard is a filmmaker, author, and educator who mastered his craft on hit TV shows, such as Grey's Anatomy, Chicago Med, This Is Us, MacGyver, and 24. He has written award-winning books that taught and taught story workshops to 15,000-plus students of all ages. Richard's passion for the creative process led him to develop school programs that empower students to express themselves through AI-enhanced storytelling and conquer their fear of speaking in public. He has guest lectured at numerous universities, including Johns Hopkins, Columbia, and NYU. Richard's most recent book, ChatGPT Simplified, offers non-tech professionals a unique and accessible approach to unlock the full potential of ChatGPT amplifying creativity, and boosting productivity. Welcome, Richard Rosser, to the Spotlight on Speaking show. Well, hello, Brett. How are you? I am doing outstanding. So I understand in our conversation yesterday that this is your first podcasting experience. That's right. This is my first Woo! podcast guesting experience. So well, I'm, uh... <laughs> I'm honored to be your first host, sir. So Fantastic. Before, before we get into your speaking journey, I got to ask about the TV shows a little bit. So what, were you a screenwriter? What was your role in those particular shows? Uh, my job is what's called a first assistant director. And I'm neither an assistant nor a director. Okay. I'm basically the chief logistician. I'm in charge of everything organizational uh, when uh, once a script gets written on a TV show. So once the script is written, then I'm in charge of scheduling all the con conceptual meetings, all the production meetings, sitting with the director as we talk about all the creative aspects and figuring out all the logistics and, and elements, how we're going to actually make the days and make the show. All right. So do you still do that, Richard? I do. I do. You still do that. Although right now... Uh, hopefully by the time this airs, uh, I don't know, next week or so, uh, the writer's strike will be finished. But right now we're in the middle of a writer's strike. And so most, if not all of the production uh, in, in uh, the States is shut down right now. And in fact, some, in, some abroad. Do you do that all remotely or do you have to be on, on site no. to do that? Unfortunately, we have to be on site. Uh, yes. Well. Yes. <laughs> All right, so I say I gotta look. I've never done it. Watch Grey's Anatomy, Chicago Man. I maybe seen a few of those. Okay. This is us. No, MacGyver, the old one or the new one? The new one. The I don't new think one. I've the seen reboot. Twenty four. I watched a lot of Twenty Four. 
Oh yeah. It, it was, it was the zeitgeist, uh, back in the early 2000s, 2001 to 2010. It was, uh, it was, it was the thing it, it 24 was actually the first show that got people to start binge watching yeah. because after the first season, people were really interested. Oh my gosh, the show 24. And they realized that they could go to blockbuster. Remember blockbuster? Oh yeah. I and they remember. could, they could rent the DVDs uh -huh. and they could rent like four DVDs and end up with six or eight episodes over a weekend and just they, they just start getting lost in it. And so it was really one of the first shows, if not the first show that people started binge watching before streaming. Man, they're done that. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I see you also say you're a filmmaker. So any films that I would recognize on your repertoire? Uh, well, I, I worked on uh, the uh, Michael J. Fox movie called Still a Michael J. Fox movie. Uh, with uh, a friend of mine, Davis Guggenheim, who is a, um, he and I've worked together on all sorts of TV shows and, uh, and movies together. So that's one. Um, uh, I worked on a whole bunch of sort of uh, independent uh, productions when I lived in New York um, that you would never have heard of. <laughs> all right. Well, enough of the sidelight stuff. I was, that, that was just curiosity on my, sure, of course, on my behalf of course. or whatever. So, so let's talk about your speaking journey. So how I think in my mind, Richard, there's three types of speakers. You have your keynote speaker who is paid a fee to go into a corporation or an association and deliver a talk. You have your what I call your platform seller. So they'll deliver their content, then they'll make a pitch at the end for some type of continual training or mastermind or whatever. And then I have what you call your business builder speaker. So that might be a chiropractor or a plumber, or a financial planner, or whatever that just goes and speaks. Locally, primarily, they don't sell directly from the platform, but obviously they hope people will be interested in their services so that when they have that need, they will go to them. And everybody, in my opinion, should be a business builder speaker. Right. But that being said, which of those arenas do you feel that you fall in best? And tell me about your journey that led you to there. Well, let's see. Best, because um, I really, I have... I, I, I have my feet in all three, really, to tell you the truth. And, and I don't know how many guests you have come on that say, okay, I really can't pigeonhole myself in one or the other. Mm -hmm. But let me, let me give you a little bit of background on my speaking journey, and then that'll enlighten you as to, as to you know, why I can't answer the, okay, one is the best, right? So um, I guess I've always been a speaker. Um, and you sort of say, well, wait, what does that mean? I, I can remember back in third and fourth grade writing plays with a friend of mine, Michael Hood, and we would put on these plays for the kindergarten when we were in third and fourth grade. So in essence, that was, I mean, that was my way of storytelling, creating stories that would involve and engage the, the kindergartners. Mm -hmm. And as I got older, I've, I've never been afraid of speaking, of getting in, up in front of a, a group of people or a crowd of folks and and talking and that's part of my job uh in the in the tv business is i get up on a, on, a, on an hourly basis or a daily basis and i and i make talks about safety and logistics and i talk through sequences with the entire crew of you know 100 150 people and so i'm a i guess i'm less of a speaker and more of a communicator and so that's that's ultimately what i've sort of evolved into is, is I love the creative process and I love helping folks communicate more efficiently. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm a storyteller and what I've done is over the past eight or 10 years between seasons, right? So we, we, when I was working on 24, we would shoot 
nine or 10 months. And then I would have two months between, between the seasons. And so I started, I wrote a children's book and I went out and I started teaching children how to tell stories. And at that point, I was just reading my book in front of a group of 100 or 200 kids. But I didn't, and I didn't even realize that I was teaching them how to tell stories. And so what I've done is I've created programs and curriculum from, it started with elementary students, but now it's all the way up into uh, college age and even the graduate level hmm. of exploring what story is and, and communication through story and now communication through AI enhanced storytelling. And so I, I go in and I work with students and really students of all ages. I mean, I, I, do, I do workshops for corporate folks and, and marketing teams, et cetera. But we, we break down what story is and what communication is based on narrative and narrative structures. And we also talk about the science, the brain science behind storytelling and why our brains are so locked into story. I could tell you, I could just spew out a bunch of facts, right? And you might remember a few of them, but if I, if I tell you a story that summarizes those facts or encapsulates those facts, then you're going to remember that and take that with you because our brains from, you know, caveman days have been wired to, to look at and, and identify everything through story. And so uh, my speaking journey has evolved from going out and doing, you know, uh, uh, assemblies for over 15,000 students to now I do workshops in communication through story and through AI enhanced storytelling. And we figure out how to use ChatGPT and BARD and all the new, you know, all the generative uh, AI to heighten story, to amplify story, to help create emotion in stories that we're telling, whether we're pitching a project or managing a team or speaking in front of a group of people. Well, obviously, storytelling is very important for public speakers, whether they're keynoters, platform sellers, business builders, whatever. And we'll get into the AI aspect of this a little bit later, but in general terms, Richard, what makes for a good story for public speakers? Two words, connection and emotion. If you have a story that connects to your audience, and, and you know, think about uh, speakers, you need to know your audience. I mean, you, you need to do some homework and figure out who your audience is before you go in because you may have a specific speech or, or talk that you do, but you want to tailor that to the audience that you're speaking with. And so what you're looking to do is connect with those folks. I mean, there are all sorts of tips and tricks about making eye contact with as many people as you can and varying the, the, the timber of your voice and the pitch of your voice to, uh, to, to draw folks in. I mean, there are all sorts of of tips like that, 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 you know, we could spend an hour talking about. But basically everything that we would talk about with those tips and tricks is in the service of connecting emotionally with your audience, right? And so story, the, a story can be, whether it's a, a joke or it's a story about overcoming some sort of a challenge in the workplace, it serves as a foundation to connect with the audience and then talk about the, the uh, effects of that uh, and, and what happened in that story. And that's where really effective speakers come to life. 
So I got to ask you a question. So you talk about the need to do your homework before a speaking engagement to make sure you're as on target as possible for the audience. Any tips on how you find out those audience demographics or who's in the crowd or whatever so that you can craft a better speech? Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, first of all, how, how did you get the speaking gig, right? The, the first thing I always do is I talk to the person who booked me and I say, hey, is what information could I, should I, would I want to know before I walk into the room with these folks that will help me talk about their needs and talk about what they are looking for from my talk, right? And, and so, for instance, in, in, my, in my case, I'm talking about storytelling or I'm talking about communication through story. And so if I'm, if I'm going in to talk to, uh, you know, the, the California Association of Librarians, my, my discussion or talk or speech is going to be different than if I'm going in and talking to uh, a team of marketers or an association of marketers. Mm -hmm. And so it helps to know what the, what the uh, departure point is for the audience. And then I'd, I'd go on. I mean, now, I, you know, I know we'll, we'll talk about AI later, but now I would go on to ChatGPT or BART or, you know, any of the generative AI, but, or the internet and just start researching, okay, what, uh, what, what is this group? You know, if the, if the group is an actual formal uh, conference or a, or some sort of a, a, a group or affiliation, then I would go in, I'd look at their website, I'd get a sense of what they're about. What, what do they talk about on their website? What kind of stories do they already have and already put out there for their audience? Because what I'm trying to do is find common ground between me and my speech, my story, the way I communicate, and the way that uh, the folks in the audience communicate and, and, and what they're looking to solve. Because ultimately, everyone in the audience has an, an issue, and this isn't a negative thing, but they have an issue, a challenge, a problem that they're looking to solve, and that's why they're there. And so I'm trying to figure out how I can tap into the knowledge or experience of what they're doing and what their what their needs are before I before I even step in the room. So obviously, storytelling critically important. Number two, doing your homework ahead of time to make sure you're as on target as possible for the audience very important. What are a couple other things that you think are critical keys to success for any speaker? Practice. I think, I think, you know, the old joke about, you know, the guy's walking along and he's lost and he's in New York City and he's supposed to be at a, at a, uh, at a show at Carnegie Hall and he stops a guy and says, hey, hey, do you know how to get to Carnegie Hall? And the guy says, yeah, Practice, 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 right? I mean, you know, this <laughs> sort of stupid old, I mean, that, that joke's as old as the hills, but, but it illustrates a point, right? Which is, which is you can't expect to get up in front of a crowd of 200, 300, 400 people without having practiced. And that practice is on many levels, right? You, at, at its very foundation, you wanna practice what you're going to talk about. If you're gonna tell a story, you don't want to get up there and just riff on it. You want to have thought about the beats of that story. And you want to have thought about how that story can and will connect with your audience. And how that story can illustrate a point that they're looking to, they're looking to solve a challenge or an issue. And so the, pra the practice of, of that one simple facet, just telling that uh, one story in your speech is really important. 
But then there's also practice in terms of just getting up in front of groups of folks, right? I mean, I go out and I talk to all sorts of folks. I mean, I, I, I go to optimist clubs and I go to you know schools and I talk to uh, administrators and I talk to faculty and I talk to students. And, I, and so I'm always paying attention to the reaction to what I'm saying. And so let's let's step back a second. I, my wife and I just watched uh, Jerry Seinfeld. He just did a special, I don't know how new it is, but he did a special where he went back to one of his comedy clubs in New York where he got his start. And he did an hour long comedy comedy special with the with the jokes that he started off with there. I mean, he, he told the first two jokes he ever wrote and, and told, right? And I guarantee you, Jerry Seinfeld didn't just walk up on the stage and tell those two jokes after 20, 30, 40 years after he first told them on the stage. He practiced them. He pulled them out. He went through them again. And same thing with, with all comedians or all performers, they practice Comedians are known for going up on stage with 10 minutes of material, and then at the end, they go through, they, you know, they tape it, and they listen, and they go, okay, this was funny, that, that's, that sucked, right? So I'm, I, I ended up with a minute and a half of gold, Jerry, like, you know, like Vanya used to say in, in, the, in the series. And so they'll, they'll, they'll perform 10 minutes and end up with a minute and a half, maybe two minutes, right? And then the next night or the next week, they'll perform another 10 or 15 minutes and end up with two more minutes. And so... How long does it take a comedian like Jerry Seinfeld to put an hour and a half or two hour special for HBO together or Netflix or whatever it is? It takes them a while, right? And by the time they're in front of an audience at, at the Beacon Theater or the Apollo Theater or wherever, they have honed their material. They know it and they're, they are the performers who can make it seem fresh. So as speakers or as i mean we're essentially performers right and we need to practice what we're going to say and how we're going to say it so it comes off as fresh and innovative and unique and you know if you get up there and you just sort of ramble about something the audience is going wow what is what is this person's deal they, they don't seem to be talking to us you know they seem to be talking at us not with us or or you know, and I love to, I love to get an audience involved, right? I, I, I mean, everyone who's watching this, you know, who, who's ever given a speech, you know, there's a moment, there's a magical moment when your audience starts to lean forward in their seats and they're really paying attention and everything else just sort of falls away, right? I just had a little shiver go down my spine because <laughs> that's the moment you're looking to create. And, and if, we, if we go back to storytelling, and the brain science behind storytelling, there's a concept, Brett, called narrative transport. I don't know, do you, are you familiar with that concept? A little bit, but not in any kind of detail. Okay, narrative transport is the magic of storytelling, whether it's a, 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 an, oral, an oral story, or it's a movie or a book. It, what happens is narrative transport is if you're reading a book and you, you're just so, you know, Harry Potter or Pillars of the Earth, one of my favorite books, you are just so locked in, everything falls away. You know, the, the oven's beeping and your and your and your pizza's burning because you're just sucked into this book, right? And and that's the magical moment. That's that's the concept, uh, narrative transport that we're all trying to attain or reach when we're giving a speech or you know or or talking or wor a workshop with with folks is getting them to the point where 
they're not thinking about, oh, I, I need to check my messages or, oh, there's a, a lawnmower outside and that's distracting. When, you, when you've got everyone in the pod with you, either with your speech or your story, all that falls away. And that, that's, that's the magic moment that we're all trying to get to. So everything, again, is in service of connecting with the audience uh, through emotion and story techniques, et cetera. So how do you measure the success of a speech in your mind? Now, is it just when you get that feeling you know you've been successful? Or is there some other parameter that you gauge the success or unsuccess of a particular speech? Well, I guess there's a couple of ways. Number, number one, you're right, is... is when you're when you're talking to folks, if you feel that everything's falling away and, and, and you're just right there in the room with everyone and they're and they're locked into what you're saying, it's it's sort of like being in the zone, if you know, if you want to call it that as, as an athlete. But I think the the overall measure of success is the response. And you know, if you have people you know, people come up and say, Oh, great, great speech or great talk or great, you know, that's one thing. But if you have someone come up and and you can tell these people, right, when after you've finished a speech, they are people that you have absolutely connected with. Mm-hmm. They come up and they and they give you a little anecdote, right? They, they, they tell you a story. And sometimes you end up with folks who go on a little bit too long. And you're like, all right, you've got other people to talk to, right? We've, we've all been there. But but when someone comes up and and there's a connection there beyond what what you said what you said tapped into something in their life that is a major force or a major event or i mean it can be a tragedy but it can also be a major success right and and they they sort of they they approach you and there's a posture there of of sort of like they're so excited to come up and just tell you you made my day and that can be as simple as that or it can be you have no idea you have no idea what your talk or what your speech just just did. You, you I, my my life. You you showed me a new door, a new portal, a new a new way of thinking about something. And so, for me, that's uh, that's really. I I had <laughs> this is sort of a ridiculous version of it, but I had a uh, like a second grader at one point. I you know done this presentation, everything, and of my book, and she came up afterwards. And she had this little black plastic monkey, right? And it was like a little, you know, little animal toy. And uh, and she she says here. And I said, what what is that? And she said, oh, it's my my little monkey. And I said, oh, okay, great. I love that. I love that. And she said, no, I want you to have it. And she gave me this. She gave me her little, you know, her little plastic monkey animal toy, right? And to me, that transcended. Right. So so if you have in, in a grown up, it would be they come up and they and they just they just they almost can't talk. They just say you tapped. You, you have no idea what, what you just opened up in me. Right. Uh, and that to me is is success. So the first question I have then is, do you still have that little plastic monkey toy? Yes, I do. All right. Well, I would hope so. I mean, that, that would be something I think you would treasure forever. Yes, I, I do. <laughs> the other thing I was going to say, you're talking about some people go on and on and on. I can't believe how many Zoom calls I've sat on or whatever, or training and sat. And beneath the screen, I'm going, come on, come on. Mm-hmm. And you got to watch <laughs> watch your face. So. Well, you so Brett, you bring up a very interesting point. And that is that 
whatever, whatever you're trying to communicate, it, you have to have a point. And you have to have thought of that point before you give your speech or your talk. And, and specifically when it comes to storytelling, we all know people that, you know, they tell a story about, oh my gosh, what, what happened yesterday? Oh, I went to the grocery store and they were out of, you know, they were out of uh, tortillas or they were out of, you know, what, and, and, and I went and I had to go to another store and, and they sort of ramble on for about 10 or 15, 20 minutes. And, and, and you get back and you're sort of like, okay, well, did you fix dinner? No, we had pizza, you know, I mean, and you're sort of like, okay, what was the point of that entire story? And, and so it's important to think about what point you're trying to make with a story. I, I actually, I'm working with um, a career tech school. I, I grew up in Oklahoma and I'm working with a career tech school to put together a program for storytelling for trainers. And this came out of my workshops in just general storytelling at this school. And the, 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 the guy who's head of the workforce economic development team said to me, you know what? I would love to enlist your storytelling approach for trainers because we get one of two comments. Either the trainer just tells story after story after story and they really, they don't have a point. And they just sort of go on and, and they're not learning what they're supposed to be learning in this training session. Or the opposite end of the extreme is they don't tell any stories. It's all just factual information. And the people are bored to tears. And it seems like there's, there's, we need to help these people with a middle ground of learning how to tell stories efficiently that make a point about whatever it is they're training, whether it's workplace safety or, you know, education or whatever it is. And so I'm putting together this program to help folks figure out stories that can enlighten their trainees, but also heighten the training session so that the trainer, trainees will remember what they've learned. And again, going back to the narrative structure and the brain science, that is what stories are really good at, is helping folks retain the information that we've talked about. All right, I want to dive a little bit deeper into the whole AI aspect of how that can enhance storytelling for speakers. But before we get to that, Richard, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world? And now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world. If that's you, then listen up. 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. To pick up your copy, go to brettridgeway.com forward slash freebie. And we are back with the Spotlight on Speaking Show with my guest this week, Richard Rosser, and we're talking about chat GPT and AI things and how they can help public speakers enhance their storytelling. So this is an arena that, honestly, I've not really played around with it at all. So I'm just going to kind of turn the floor over to you and, and give us a brief dissertation on how a public speaker can, can use an AI tool to improve their storytelling. Okay, so there, there are a number of layers or facets that we can talk about. So let's, let's talk about first, let's talk about the creation of an actual speech. Uh, and, and before, before the break, we talked about knowing your audience and tailoring a speech to your audience. 
So let's let's say you know I've got my speech on storytelling, right? And and uh, and then I get a call from this career tech school, and they say we want you to do a storytelling session for trainers. And I say, fantastic, I'm I'm all in, right? And then I get off the call and I say, wait a second, I don't know anything about trainers and training sessions. So I go to my favorite new research assistant, ChatGPT or Bard, and uh, and I and I type in what would a training workshop or a workshop look like with the title storytelling for trainers. And I take I just I just scratch the surface there and I hit return and the response comes back and it talks about okay the first thing you want to do is talk about the value of storytelling overall then you want to talk about how trainers can use storytelling and then trainers um, in, in individually what they are training and how to search out and and create stories that will emphasize points all of a sudden i'm starting to get some a foundation of 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 organization for my workshop and i'm also getting ideas that I'd never even thought of before because I'm, you know, I mean, trainers isn't my thing, but I've been tasked with creating a storytelling session or workshop or program for trainers. So one of the things that chat GPT, AI, generative AI, and let me, let me give everyone just a brief explanation. So AI is artificial intelligence, and there are various types of what is called generative AI generative is generating a response so there's text to text which is chat gpt bard or bing or any of the generative text generative uh programs right so you can type something into chat gpt a question or a, a, a prompt and it will spit out an answer then there are also text to image programs sort of uh, mid-journey dolly etc and so if you're visually oriented or if you're looking for you know slides for a powerpoint presentation then you can jump on one of those and those you type in text and then it returns some sort of a visual image all right so basically what we're talking about is let's just say chat gpt to keep it simple i'm going to type in a question or otherwise known as a prompt and I'm going to, you know, I said, uh, hey, what, tell me more about storytelling for trainers and what you as ChatGPT, how you would organize that workshop. I can also say, hey, let's think outside the box and give me some examples of stories that trainers have used in various scenarios or different types of training. There's workplace training, there's managerial training, there's training for doing phone sales. I mean, there's training for everything in business right so there are all sorts of different segments and sequences so even though i may be putting together a workshop for storytellers for training i mean there are thousands and thousands of different kinds of trainers and training programs out there so i can start to lock in and 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 take a deeper dive into the specifics of what i'm going to be doing now for instance if you if you have a small business and you're looking to to uh, you know, uh, uh, pump up your marketing efforts, you could type in you know uh, you know what what could I should I do to market my product better or market my services better? ChatGPT is an unbelievable brainstorming tool. So you can brainstorm, you can organize, you can outline, you can ultimately write content uh, with ChatGPT. You could say, hey, I want to I want to put a, a blog post or some sort of a social media post on Twitter, Instagram, whatever, that really gets folks 
paying attention to me and my business. You can go into ChatGPT and put a little bit about your business and you can say, you know, generate a, a 50 word tweet that uh, that's going to pop out and, and, and grab people and it will do that. Now, the issue with all these generative programs is it's like any computer program, garbage in, garbage out. I don't know if you've heard that phrase, but basically whatever you give it, it's only going to give you a return or a generated response as good as the question you ask, right? And so, you know, if, if Brett during this podcast only asked me questions, uh, you know, like, have you ever spoken in front of an audience before? Yes. Okay, did you have a good experience? Yes. If Brett only asks me questions that elicit a yes or no response, I'm telling you, Brett, you'd, you'd be losing all your viewers, right? Because it's a boring interview. I mean, Brett's questions elicit a response that is an exploration. It's a discovery of whatever his question was, right? So the same thing with chat GPT questions or prompts, you want to dive in, you want to explore things and you can dive deeper and deeper and deeper as you start to explore whatever topic you're, you're questioning chat GPT about. So you can, as a speaker, you could go in and say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be speaking in front of a group of marketing folks, an association of marketing. And how can I tailor my regular speech? And you can actually take part of your speech and cut and paste it in there and, and type, how can I tailor this speech to marketing folks or to finance folks or to a sales team? And it will spit out results based on that. Now, ultimately, ChatGPT is, is, you know, if you ask it to give you an, an actual narrative passage that you want to use in your speech or as part of your speech or talk, it's going to get you, you know, 50, 60% there, maybe 70, maybe 80. But the whole thing about this is the reason that anyone would have you come in, right, and give a speech to a crowd of folks is because you are you. You are the sum total of your experiences, whatever companies you've worked for, whatever experiences you've had with clients and customers and, and, uh, and colleagues. Your speech is based on that sum total of your personal experiences and whatever you, your approach is based on those experiences. So again, mine, I tap into communication through story and storytelling because of my years working on TV shows and, and, and theater and, and everything, commercials. That is what I tap into when I'm talking about communication and communication through story and AI enhanced storytelling. So ChatGPT is a tool, right? You know, the, the, the engineers who work for SpaceX, they use calculators, they use computer programs to figure out how to make this rocket that's going to go up into space and deliver payloads of, of satellites. Well, same thing. You're going to use ChatGPT, if you decide to, to help you do what you do better more efficiently, more creative. It's going to amplify your creativity, your individuality, your originality. And, and that's what it really is great at. Now, if you expect to go in and type, write a speech for me for this upcoming event and just spit it out and walk in front of the crowd and give that speech, it's not gonna be successful because it's not going to have your inherent experience baked into that, right? Now, you might be able to write a, a fairly detailed prompt that approaches the way you talk and the way the way you communicate, but 
a machine is never going to be able to duplicate you. And that's, that's the most important thing to remember as you use this tool. It's a tool. And so you can use it to brainstorm and organize and, and, and all that. But ultimately, you have to take the information that you glean from the, the generated output, and you have to take that and synthesize that into your individual approach. So to the people who are uninitiated into the world of AI, chat GPT, free tool, paid tool? Uh, free tool. Free tool? Uh, they're, again, like anything, you know, they get you in the door with a free tool. And then, uh, so chat GPT, uh, if you search, you know, Google or whatever your favorite search engine is, you know, how do I join ChatGPT? Uh, it'll take you right to their site. You can join for free. Now, if now there are levels of the engine that runs it, right? I mean, it's like anything. It's like a car. You know, you, you could have a you can have a, a 1.5 liter engine or you can have a 2.5 liter engine. Which is better? Well, if you're looking for fuel economy, the 1.5. If you're looking for speed, the 2.5. So it's like anything. Uh, ChatGPT right now, the free version runs on. Uh, GPT-3 and the paid version, which is $20 a month, runs on chat G or GPT-4. So GPT is the actual engine that runs the chat model, chat GPT. Uh, so, so you can jump on and, and same thing with Bard, you can jump on Bard. A as you start to play around with them, it's like anything, you know, it's like a search engine. It's, it's like a software program. You're going to find things with chat GPT that you really like. Maybe there's a couple you don't like the way it outputs information or the way it organizes things. Same thing with BARD. You're going to find that you can use each for a different, uh, a, a little bit different use. And um, that that's its personal preference. All right. So as we wind down to our time together here, Richard, if people wish to get involved in your world, where, do, where should they go? And how do they get a hold of your book if they'd like to get a hold of your book? The easiest way to get a hold of me and my book is to go to AIexplained.ai. That's AIexplained.ai. And right up at the top, you can uh, you can go to Amazon. There's a link uh, by now. You can go look at my book. And um, down at the very bottom, there's a Contact Richard uh, button. And it, uh, it'll email me directly. And, um, and I'll get in touch with you. My book is called, again, it's called uh, ChatGPT Simplified. And it's written in everyday language, as a non-technical approach for folks who who really, I mean, people who are programmers and coders, they can read it and get definitely get something from it. But it's written for folks who really don't know much about uh, AI and ChatGPT, who are looking to amplify their message. And uh, it's it's uh, it's a fun read, and it's uh, it's very educational in the sense of it's got lots of prompts, lots of ideas in terms of how you can use ChatGPT and AI in general. All right, well, awesome stuff today. So, Richard, I will give you two thumbs up on your first podcast interview. Fantastic! I get two thumbs up. <laughs> if I give five stars, I give you five stars. I don't know how many stars or whatever. So, excellent. I want to thank you so much for joining me today as my guest again, Richard Rosser, AI explain.ai right correct all right and we'll make sure that's in the show notes down below and i want to thank all of you for joining us today if you haven't already go to spotlightonspeaking.com and register through your favorite service to be notified about coming episodes and if you haven't hop on over to brettridgeway.com and pick up my free report three key things entrepreneurs must understand to build a profitable speaking business but as always i wish you the greatest of success in all that you do and may this be your greatest year yet. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. This has been the Spotlight on Speaking Show. 
with Brett Ridgway. Be sure to join us every week as we interview speaking industry pros and have them share their best tips for building a profitable speaking business. Until next week, thank you for tuning in and remember to visit our website at spotlightonspeaking.com so you can enjoy even more great episodes like this one. While you're here, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Spotlight on Speaking Show. Until then, our sincere best wishes to you for the greatest of success as you work to build your own profitable speaking business.